You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm sitting down with Pete Parada. You may or may not know this man, but he is a true pandemic hero of mine. Pete was the drummer for the band The Offspring and was one of the very few musicians to choose not to get the vaccine when it was being required in order to go back on tour. What happened next was utter insanity. He was let go from the band with no notice. The media slandered his good name and painted all kinds of nonsense about him across their outlets. And he's been made an example of simply for choosing his God-given right to medical autonomy over his own body. This was an emotional episode for me. The sheer rage I feel over the injustice the unvaccinated have endured cannot be put into words and brings angry tears to my eyes. The punk and music scene in general has largely turned out to be a bunch of poser simps for big pharma functioning out of fear and herd mentality. Pete stood his ground and continues to do so and has been gracious enough to share his story with us. Let's jump in. Pete Parada, welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. I am so excited to have you here today. I want you to introduce yourself to my audience so they know what we're dealing with here because I have been looking forward to this episode for a really long time. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Pete Parada. I'm a musician, a drummer with bands like Face to Face and Saves the Day. And I've done tours with groups like Devo and My Chemical Romance and recorded with Rob Halford from Judas Priest. But I think most people probably, if they know me at all, which is a small group, but they would know... Um, from a stint I did 14 years drumming for the band The Offspring. And I think that's kind of where, if my name has popped up, it's probably heard it from there. Yeah. And you have come onto the radar recently for what I believe to be a true hero. You stood up against the machine and you declined the vaccination for your own personal reasons. And it has just been really taken to the extreme. And I was hoping you would share your story with us today. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it all kind of came to a head in uh, summer of 2021. In June, the industry was starting to lean on everyone. You know, you get the phone calls from management or tour managers going, "Hey, everyone's got to turn in your vax card." You know, we're, we we got to set this up for travel or or you know for venues or this and that. And so I knew that it was kind of going to come come to a head for me. And um, I got a, a really, really terrible, awful phone call from the band's manager who was newer and, you know, didn't know me at all. And I didn't really know him. And it was just really, really abusive and aggressive and angry and just very belittling and shaming and, you know, coercive and leaning on me. Like, you know, basically it was made clear to me that I was either to get the vaccine or I would be out. And those were my two choices. And, you know, so I'd been there for 14 years at this point. And, you know, up until pretty much that day, everything was great. Everything was fine. Um, you know, I never missed a day of work, never missed a photo shoot, a video shoot, a show, no matter how sick I was or what was going on for my family or whatever. I was there every way, every day. So, you know, the only reason I'm not still there is this issue. And, you know, I tried to talk to the band about it. They backed up the manager. And so I'd, you know, I was in a, a spot and within a week of, you know, the back and forth, you know, all communication was cut off. And then I found out that I was replaced um, from my Southwest Airlines app, you know, when my flight to rehearsal disappeared. And um, and then uh, my access to the work calendar from the band was revoked and I couldn't log in or see what was going on. So it was like, you know, that was the message sent to me, which was 
see you later. And that, that was that. So I kind of sat with it for a month in shock of, you know, these were people that I had known for a decade and a half. Like I spent more time with them sometimes than my family in a given year. And our families were close. Like an overnight, it was like my whole family was just erased, just gone. And so for me, there was a lot of confusion there and a lot of you're feeling every emotion. There's like, my God, is my career over? There's a career death. And then if I'm not a drummer in this band, then who am I now? There's identity death. And, you know, so we're just trying to figure out, well, how do we as a family, how do I as a person even navigate this? And so we just kind of sat with it for a few weeks and tried to take it in. And and then I started getting phone calls from people because they had a tour coming up. And, you know, so now I'm getting hit up by friends for tickets to these shows that I know I'm not going to be at. And I'm like, do I have to have this conversation 500 different times? So we crafted a, a statement to put out to just, you know, number one, let people know that I, I wouldn't be there anymore. Like, I'm not going to be at these shows. Um you know, I can't get you tickets, you know. And number two, like all of a sudden I needed work. So I needed to let people know like where, you know, the industry was in a terrible spot already. So, but I'm still like, well, I still have to put myself out there. Like this is my one skill set and I'm the breadwinner of my family. And all of a sudden I'm overnight uh, completely unemployed. Like I've got to find work. But, but the third reason, which I think, you know, was the most important was, somebody had to say something about what was going on. Like I talked to a lot of people going through this process, you know, who, you know, some people went and got a fake card. Some people felt super coerced and got the vaccine. So they're like, well, I got to get back to work. And some people were just like me and said, no, I can't, I'm not going to get it. And they're out. And, you know, so a lot of this was happening everywhere. It wasn't just me. I wasn't an isolated incident, but So it felt like, well, if everyone's going to be quiet about this and just kind of slink away and hope that when it when it all blows over, then nothing will have gotten on them and they can get back to work. You know, I felt like it was important to say something here and and to show, you know, I've got two daughters. And if I can't show them that there's no opportunity or no job or or anything that is more important than your sovereignty over your own body and doing what you know is right for you, then I'm kind of failing as a father. And for me, that was the the biggest piece of it was if I can't teach my kids how to stand up here, then what are they going to do later on in life if they come to a certain the same situation? And If I don't stand up here, if more people don't stand up here, how many more rights, how many more choices are they not even going to have? Because we're all just giving them up without thinking because we've been locked down for a year and a half and we've been terrified and bombarded daily. Like you're locked in your house and everyone's got the news on. So I, I understood that there was a lot of fear going on, but it, it just felt like, you know, we had all these rights swept away. And then here comes the dangling carrot of, oh, you can have them all back. Oh, you just got to do this thing. Oh, it's just it's just one shot. Well, it's two doses. Oh, well, now there's a booster dose. Oh, well, that didn't do much. Now there's a new dose. Well, now there's a new variant. So now there's a new formula now. And I, I just knew that it wasn't going to stop. It was going to keep coming and coming and coming. And so for me, I just was kind of fighting for the world that I wanted my kids to be able to have the same choices that that I had and that we all should have. I can feel your heart coming through in this. It's infuriating. That's... That's what gets me is uh, I refused to have my daughter watch me fold. 
I refused. I will die on this hill and I will not, I will not give that up. And when I see others doing it, it really invokes, I mean, it's just, I just see a lot of bravery coming out of you and I uh, I tear up over the anger that I feel over what's happened to people unnecessarily. Well, it, it, exactly unnecessarily, and that people like you and people like me had to to stand up and push back on this when they're rolling the vaccine out. There started to be this air of inevitability of like, well, you're going to have to get it. You know, there's no way around it. Everyone's going to have to do this, and you know, even. Uh, we, my wife and I got into it with some people in the industry of like, no, well, this this isn't, you know, it's contraindicated for me. Like, and people going, well, what? Are you just going to walk away from, you know, being a rock star or, you know, walk away from your whole job over this? And it's just like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and even since taking a stand that I did, like there's some people that are still kind of scratching their heads going, I get it. You know, yeah, your, your daughter isn't standing up and whatever, but you know, you're a, you're a pretty tiny speck here. Like, did you really make a difference? And I'm like, kind of looking at them like, well, that's not the point. No, absolutely not. That's, that's silly. But did I make a difference to the two people that where it mattered most? Yeah, I did. And so for me, that's, that's mission accomplished. And everything on top of that is, is ego or, or, you know, stuff that's was never on my plate to begin with. I think you have made a big difference though, because off the air I mentioned, and you know, this isn't, you had said you don't look at it, but I, I Googled you. And for anyone to put your name into Google, it's just a barrage, right? They, I mean, the media really came at you to make an example. And something that happens to me, and I don't know if this ha- I'm sure it happens to you too. I, when I'm walking out there, I think I'm talking, you know, I live in a big, in the country and I talk to this big field all day through my microphone. And I don't know if I'm making much of a difference and Instagram won't let me grow. And I can't, you know, I don't, I feel like I'm talking into an echo chamber, but when I go out, Almost every time I'm out in public somewhere, somebody comes up to me and recognizes me and says, thank you. Thank you for holding the line. And so I just want to say to you that their strategy of using you as the example all over the Google page, it's showing bravery, right? Bravery has to be modeled and it's contagious and courage is contagious. And so Whenever I mention on my socials or anywhere and I do polls and I say, hey, guys, let's make a list of all the rock stars that stood the, that held the line. Like, let's make a list of them and let's figure out who didn't so we can boycott those shows. <laughs> and your name always comes up. Like, you're a hero to so many people. And so just know that, that you're holding the line has given people the opportunity to mirror their bravery back, right? And that, it does matter. That's really sweet. And, and I, I still, I mean, for a year and a half now, we've gotten messages over and over and over on Instagram through my website, people going, oh my God, thank you for saying something. I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one. And that's, and I thought I was the only one too. Like when, when I put that statement out, I was expecting nothing but flamethrowers. Like I was like lighting my career on fire. I wrote to my friend, I said, all right, bracing for impact. And it was the complete opposite. There was just this wave of support that showed up and all these people going, oh my God, nobody ever put it that way before. Or I showed your statement to my family who doesn't understand my stance here, doesn't understand my position here. And, you know, everybody came out of the woodwork. That first week, like we got hit up by all the anchors at Fox News, all the anchors at MSNBC, CNN morning show producer, like hounded me and my wife nonstop. And it was just, it felt like vultures. And I wasn't in any place to talk then. Like, I mean, I'm talking now a year and a half later for the first time, like, just like I wanted to give myself time to accept what happened and take it in and 
kind of, you know, have some perspective on what what this meant for me, for my family, and just get back to like, all right, well, what do I do rebuilding my life? I want to be creative. So how, where do I start? And so to me, it was like, well, I don't want to talk to anybody and that has an agenda that's going to try to twist my words or try to make me look like the poster child for a complete moron or whatever their agenda is. Or, you know, it was just like, I'm just going to say no to everything and I'm just going to get to a place where I'm creating and where I feel good about what I'm doing again and find a way like, how does my family move forward from this? How do we, you know, regroup and rebuild my career in a way where I can start providing for my family again? And so to me, that was more important than any kind of weird attention or anything that came out of it. Cause I, I didn't expect that. Like it was just, you know, like I said, threefold, letting people know I'm not going to be there anymore, but also this isn't right, you know, and, and regardless of, you know, my medical stance on it, it to me, like no is a complete sentence. If you do not want to take this, you do not have to take this. And, it, and the, the backtracking that's happening now, a year and a half after my story where everyone from the top on down, it's like, oh, well, we never forced it on anybody or, oh, we never, we never mandated anything. I didn't shut anything down. And it's just like, you know, the internet's right there. Like your tweets are still up. You know, it's, it mind boggling that they think that they can just gaslight their way out of this. And maybe they can. I mean, there's not a big history of people in power being held accountable. But I'm, I'm hopeful that if nothing else, enough people, because the, you know, at first I got a lot of support from people who were like, yeah, I'm not taking it either. And now I get a lot of messages from people that are like, I wish I hadn't. And yeah. I don't, I don't feel good about the way that I felt pressured into it. And it was, you know, from everything from your job or your, um, your, you know, your livelihood, but a lot of it was social pressure. A lot of it was people that were like, ah, I just, I was tired of my friends looking at me sideways or I wanted, you know, my mom to talk to me again or, you know, and it's just like, why was anybody ever put in this position to lose family and friends and work and stuff over this thing that nobody understood? And we're rolling out this new novel product that nobody really knows what it's going to do, if it's going to help. It's just been a crazy ride. And I, I feel like more people are at least waking up to like, okay, uh, that was weird. That got out of hand. But for me, I, I would like there to be more that got out of hand and I'm, I don't feel good about how I behaved in that. I was really nasty to people. I cut people out of my life. I, you know, I said horrible things about people that wouldn't take this vaccine online and it's, but it seems more that people are like, well, we all said things we regret. Let's move on. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't regret what I said. Like I still stand by my position and, you know, so I, I think there needs to be some kind of accountability here or it's just going to happen again. Oh, I want heads on stakes. I'm I'm not even subtle about it. Like I if there is an extreme to this, I have gone to it and I think a lot of it is, you know, they create the monster they're trying to kill. And the the more they push, the rowdier I got. I was like you are all sparring with the wrong girl here and so for me, you know, I came out the gates really early, like from day 1 when COVID started, I'm like something smells off and I took so a barrage of hell from day one. By 2021, I was tired. And by 2022, I was really tired. And 
now I just sit back and I'm, I've got the receipts. It's all on, I have all the videos of all the people saying the terrible things. I have a picture on my computer screen of a masked person holding a sign up at a rally that says gas the unvaxxed. And I look at it every single day, not to be vindictive, but so I do not forget how we were treated for asking questions for, you know, for even questioning anything. I have a series of autoimmune conditions, I am 100% sure this thing would kill me or induce some kind of gnarly neurologic immune response that I don't want. And so whatever the reasons be, whatever people choose is what they choose. And we were not allowed to. And like you said, people were terrorized. I do have a beef though, you know, with the folks. I mean, it's so bad that these folks are coming back. You mentioned they're trying to gaslight. That's like a whole thing that can really get me going I, and I have to keep my temper cool, my cortisol low. But the it's the folks who did it out of convenience because they just didn't want any pushback. They wanted to travel or they wanted to, you know, have the easy life. Like those are the people that I feel were almost more responsible. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. I try to to have, I, I understand where you're coming from and and I, I get that 100%. And I, I try to understand that Everybody was scared and they just listened to whatever they were told. They, they, they took the mainstream thing. You know, I was told my views were extreme and I needed to talk to more mainstream people and listen to more mainstream ideas. I try to hold compassion that fear is a really, really powerful thing. I mean, it's been used historically all over the place to motivate. And if you're not the leader of the band or an original member or something like you don't have any power there, but I, I understand your, your anger and I love your fight. And I, I believe that there should be accountability here. Like there really should. I'm watching, I'm paying attention and I, and I, you know, I, I'm trying to push for it. And I, I would love to see someone who was in power to come back or just even a general person to come back in my life and go, Hey, I was really lousy to you. I totally dipped out of your life and, and disappeared. And, you know, and we have, we've had people that left on our family, a ton of them. We lost so many people and we've had some people that have kind of shuffled back around. We'll start liking posts again, whatever that disappeared for a year and a half. We had people that unfollowed us immediately. Like I'm not interested in just acting like nothing ever happened because the way that my family was treated and the way that people like you were treated, like there needs to be an accountability for that before there's any kind of, you know, I'm all for forgiveness, but there's got to be some atonement first. It's not just a, yeah, let's just move on because it it was too too much i mean my i'm we're still you know my I, i'm still working to get back what was lost you know for me you mm-hmm. know career wise and and otherwise you know there's it's a daily fight i mean let's backpedal here a second for the music industry to get shut down like that for so many years and for all of you in the industry to be out of work completely was so devastating i'm sure financially and then to be like just on the cusp of coming back and then to be shut off again like that i mean that what you did was monumental and i don't think people appreciate the front story of that yeah, everybody was out of work for, you know, a year and a half. I understand the need to get back to work. I needed to get back to work. You know, I don't make royalties. I don't I don't have songs on the radio that still show up with a check in my inbox, you know. I'm a I'm a working touring musician. And so for me and my family, yeah, we needed to get back to work. The crew people, everyone had to get back to work and it just seemed that it was like, well, here's your, here's your carrot here. You can get back to work. If you do this, we can all get back to work. I wasn't trying to keep anybody from working. My point was I should be able to work too. But even if you have a medical exemption in this industry, 
or anywhere, it sounds like, because people have written to me all over the world saying, yeah, I, I had my doctor wrote me an exemption, didn't matter, still got fired. And that's what I was trying to point out because people like to say, well, we've all got to do the right thing here and we've all got to get this to protect the vulnerable who can't get it. And you're like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm one of the vulnerable. It's like, nope, you get it too. You don't count. You know, it's that that's not the same thing. And it's just kind of like, all right, well, then what are you doing here? Because you're you're performing this goodness of, oh, we're so benevolent. Look how great we care about our fans. We care about the audience. Look, the, our whole tour is fully vaccinated and and we're all abundance of caution and this and that. Like it wasn't about protecting people. It wasn't about anybody's health. It was about getting the money rolling again and protecting profits. And it was disgusting to watch because, you know, all I can do is sit there going, I'm not even allowed to work. And these people are out here pretending that they're benevolent soldiers of good health and instead, they're just sending people home. You know, I I get a message about this giant tour going out and it, and somebody on the tour sent me their backstage protocol, which was preposterous. It was like four bands on the bill. Each band is its own bubble. You will not interact with any of the other bands. Inside your bubble, the band will only interact with the band. If you're on stage right crew, you only interact with those people. You will move through the backstage area, through the temperature checks together. Like, so now you're on this giant tour with hundreds of people and you're allowed to interact with four of them and you're getting tested and temperature checked all day long. And I was like, that doesn't sound like tour. That sounds like prison. Like that sounds, that sounds awful. And it's, it's hard enough to be on tour as it is. You know, I think a lot of people look at bands and it is, you are just getting through the downtime of the day to get back to when you're going to be on stage for an hour or two there's a loneliness to it that I think people don't take into account. And that's where, you know, the stereotypes of rock and roll and drugs and alcohol and stuff comes in. People aren't turning to drugs and alcohol because it's a party and they're having a great time. They're trying to survive. They're trying to keep their sanity. They're trying to find any way to get through whatever's happening to them. And, you know, everybody thinks, oh, big, rich and famous people are just the happiest. And I've known plenty of rich and famous people. And I wouldn't describe very many of them as particularly happy. Like it's a, it's a different life and a different lifestyle that I think is hard to understand unless you've been around it or, you know, in the general vicinity of it. Um, it's, 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 I guess all that to say, it's very, very hard to be on tour and to limit your interactions down to a handful of people, you know, was just sounded ridiculous to me. And again, you know, I mean, countless, countless stories, you know, bands hitting me up a month after I'm let go going, hey, we're on a festival with your band. None of us got the vaccine. Why are you not here? This is stupid. No one cares. No one's asking for cards. No, it doesn't matter. And so, you know, that's frustrating to to tr- have tried to have those conversations and be told, no, there's absolutely no way. And then get these messages from people who are like, we're out here. We're right next door to your old band. You know, we're not vaccinated. Like, no one cares. This is silly. That's insane. That's that's shocking and insane. And it <clears throat> infuriating. Right. And then it's, so, then it's like, cool, now there's a new wave of depression I haven't felt yet. <laughs> Man, I know you really got, you you became the poster child for something. I think also, too, you know, you were in a punk rock band and everyone I told that likes punk rock music that I was interviewing you, they were, they all got fired up and they were like, ask him what the fuck happened to the punks? <laughs> when, when, when did it become punk rock to, you know, go with the, go with the herd and just a lot of frustration at the music scene in general for folding. 
like that. Yeah, I mean, and I think everybody was just like, oh, what's the big deal? You know, this is all we got to do to get back to work. Everyone should just take it. And it's like, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. And there's personal choice here. There's, you know, this thing is brand new, untested technology. Like we don't have, you know, there's nobody in these trials that has any kind of health issues. It's the healthiest of the healthiest. And then cherry-picked from there all the way down. Like, you know, we're going to, put out data with relative risk reduction, which is absolutely meaningless. And it was just, it didn't make any sense. It was like, what is this push for? I'm uncomfortable, you know, just because I I can't even ask a question here. And it felt like, you know, I likened it to 2016, where it was, you know, the blue no matter who Democratic Party movement of, you know, the primaries are happening and you try to have a conversation with people like, oh, who do you like in the primary? It's a blue no matter who, doesn't matter. It's like, but this is when you have an opportunity to ask questions and to, you can't ask questions. You're only going to, you know, the orange man is bad and you're only going to embolden them if you, if you start poking holes in our candidates. And it's like, but why are we electing them if we don't agree with their policies? Like this is, this is a time where we have a say. And to me, it was like, well, there's only two choices and one of them's terrible. So, <laughs> and I felt that both ended up being terrible. Yeah. <laughs> That seems like that's where we head every time. And so it was shocking to me, not just the, that, but an extension of that was people online going, you know, making the posts. If you are going to vote for Donald Trump, just unfriend me now. And I don't ever want to see you again. You're cutting real people out of your life. Like the division was so heavy. And I, I feel like we're still, if you live online, you think it's an it's an unscalable mountain of division. But when people, from my experience, when I get out in the world and actually have conversations with people, then you know, there's so much more common ground there. Mm-hmm. there. And it feels like there's this big push on the internet to make us all feel like there's no way to come together. And the last thing that anybody in charge wants is us realizing we've got more in common, you know, that we don't need to keep fighting about this while above our heads, there's decisions being made that we don't even know about that are no good for us, but we're busy fighting about stuff that ultimately we don't have any control over and really doesn't matter. And I'm just hoping that, you know, for humanity's sake, we can all understand that and take a breath and stop fighting about dumb stuff and realize like, hey, let's let's come together here. Let's find some common ground. You know, let's build a bridge instead of burning them and find a way back to each other so we can, you know, rebuild like the, the last few years. Yeah, it's been terrible for everyone around the world. And it was shocking. And I think we're still all have whiplash from it. It was it was an incredibly horrifying thing to live through, especially if you were the one it was aimed at. I think yeah. for people that went along, they can go, well, I don't know about all that, but I'm not getting involved. And it's like, yeah, but it's hitting someone you care about. Hopefully people will look and go, oh, I'm going to hold on here a second. He's, he's a rational person. I've known him a long time. What is he saying here? Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm kind of being nasty and I don't understand the situation. I don't understand that not everybody can do this or not everybody wants to and it and it can't be a one size fits all um situation. Yeah, you'd think that our past experiences with people would have influenced how they received the information coming out of our mouths. There were a lot of people who really held me in high regard as a physician, as an intelligent person, as someone who made good decisions. And then suddenly they turned so quickly and I was like, yo, we were friends and you looked up to me (laughs) as an intelligent person. 
that's the alarming thing. Like we would just turn on anybody. If you if you wouldn't get on board with this narrative, it was like, oh well, now you love Trump, or now you're far right, or now you're all these things, and it's just like since when. Since when do we get to tell people who they are? It's everyone is allowed to make whatever decisions they want. And, but it was just, if you, if you won't do what we want here, you're, you're in the bad club and you're kicked out. And I think for a lot of people, that was the defining factor of their decision to, to go along was like, well, I don't want to lose anything here. I don't want to get looked at like a weirdo. I don't want to get, get kicked out of my friend group over this. People that know me know I'm pretty soft spoken. I'm pretty easygoing. You know, even within my own job, like I, I'm when you're a hired musician in a band, you you're hired, yeah, for your performance ability and and things, but you're also hired for to follow orders and don't speak up. And so, you know, you can do years and years and years and years of that, but the first time you say no and you're out, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's illuminating to what was actually going on here. This episode of The Dr. Tina Show is brought to you by my personal line of products that you can find inside my online store. We can all use a bit more resilience right now, so I bottled it. Resilience is an optimal adrenal support to promote energy and stamina. Resilience features a comprehensive blend of nutrients and botanical extracts targeted to support the body's responses to stress. It's designed to promote adrenal physiological functions by supporting the adaptogenic response to promote optimal energy production, stamina, and the management of everyday stressors. Adrenal glandular tissue sourced from Argentinian bovine to safeguard purity rounds out the ingredient profile. While I can't make any specific health claims, tell you how to dose it, or make individual health recommendations, I can tell you how they work. As always, check with your provider before beginning any supplement regimen. Listeners of The Dr. Tina Show can enjoy 10% off Resilience by using the code RESILIENCE10 over inside my store at store.drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A. Again, head to store.drtina.com and use code RESILIENCE10 for 10% off. Do you feel that this decision has blacklisted you or do you feel that it's actually opened some doors for you? Because I know you've started a new band and you're working with some other folks who also said no. Do you feel like it's given some opportunities or that it will in the future because people know where you stand? Everybody certainly knows where I stand. It doesn't have to be an issue. It's not something I have to tiptoe around. It's just, you know, here's how I feel about this. And so, yeah, my new band, The Defiant, with Dickie Barrett from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, who went through a very similar situation as me, you know, lost the band broke up over it. And he lost his job as the announcer on Jimmy Kimmel Live, where he had been since its inception for over 20 or 20 years or so. And, you know, so he calls me up and is like, hey, I saw your story. And I was like, yeah, I saw yours. And he's like, I think something interesting can come out of this. And, you know, brought in a few more people and started writing this music that for me, reinvigorated my love for why I played the drums in the first place. Like it was such a, a blessing to get his phone call. And now a year later, we're just finishing up a record. Everyone's coming here to Tennessee this weekend to film a video and rehearse and, you know, get ready to start rolling out a new band and a new project. And even after my story broke, like there was a couple months where I didn't want to come down here to the, my studio where I'm sitting. I didn't want to play drums. And it was really hard to kind of claw my way back to that. And so to now be, have a record that I feel excited about, like, you know, it makes me excited about music again. And I think there's a lot of people that are looking for something that's outside of the mainstream because the mainstream has been so depressingly disappointing through all of this. Yes. 
A hundred percent. Depressingly disappointing is that's that. <laughs> That sums up my feelings exactly. I could not wait to get back to concerts and get back to that life. And it just, I can't even, I live in Oregon and I won't go to a show here. I just can't. It's so weird watching a whole giant audience of people outside with masks on, screaming back the lyrics about not being a sheep to the band. I, I You know, like I can't do it. I, 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 I left, I walked out of a Nine Inch Nails concert last summer. And I mean, in tears, I was like, I can't fucking do this. I can't watch this. I can't, I can't. And I talked to one of the, I talked to one of the um, vendors there and they were telling me some of Trent Reznor's requests for the show. And it was so weird. And I don't know where he stands, but I can only guess. And it, it was so odd and weird. And I was like, I don't even know. I mean, I had to let go of my deep love for so many bands. Just, I had to let it go. It was heartbreaking. And I know you're in it. I I shouldn't even, you know, this is like third or first world problems here for me, but I'm, as a lifelong fan of some of these bands, it's been really, really, really depressingly disappointing. Yeah. And not just in music. I mean, the Broadway scene in New York City has been just awful to their actors, to down to their audience. And when you're that awful and smug to your own audience of like, everyone has to be vaccinated. You have to wear masks through the whole show and this and that. And you're treating people like garbage and not not just even doing that, but being smug about it. I think that's what gets me the most is it's like, what kind of hubris do you have to talk to somebody like that? It's crazy. And they were wrong. At the end of the day, they were just flat wrong about all of it. And that's the part that as a physician who understands immunology, as it was and you didn't, you could have passed high school biology and understood what was going on. I'm not like tooting my horn, but I, I could clearly see what was wrong. And I was like, you guys are wrong to have my own colleagues, my own physician colleagues come at me with such venom that I sat in class with and took board exams with. I was like, you guys, were we in the same, we, I was there with you when we learned this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not pulling this one out of my butt. Like this is actual science. We were there on that day, right? We were there to have a, to have basic sciences, I've been a scientist my whole life since I was a little kid. I've been I like I was going to be a doctor and I was a scientist. And to have science bastardized the way it's been and destroyed and uh, physicians, basic sciences, there's no respect left for them at all at this point. It's been devastated by the powers that be. Like I think that part was heartbreaking. And then to watch my city virtually burn down to the ground, Portland's a disaster at this point. It it all just and then the music scene to crumble like that and Hollywood to crumble like that and I you know it's just like oh it's it's and I know we've all had heart so much heartbreak through it all it's it's just been really such a disappointment on but it kind of it the cool part is is that we find people like you we connect and these new relationships are built and I think something amazing is going to come out of all of this like your new band. And the opportunities that are going to arise. There's a lot of people that won't touch me. They won't have me on their podcast. They won't touch me anymore. I don't get invited to speak at medical conferences anymore. I have been blacklisted as well. And I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, I do think there will be some version of this that the, the payoff will be in the fact that we took our stand, we put our flag down and we held the line. Like you said, like you're you're pointing things out and other doctors are like, you know, I'm just going to keep my head down and it's, I'm not wading into this. That had to be infuriating to know what you know and watch other people and to know that they know better, that they know better than this and they're still going along with it. Like, how was that? Like, it I, was, I, I wouldn't know if I would be able to wrap my brain around it. 
it was, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was insane. And it was, the part that angers me the most is that human beings rely on physicians to tell them the truth. We are supposed to understand nuance. That's our job. And our job is to form hypotheses based on the best science that we have. And so for physicians to be telling me, trust the science, Tina. And I'm like, what freaking science are you talking about? Like, where... Where did this come from? I was, I got always got high marks in school without a lot of effort. I'm pretty nerdy when it comes to medicine. So I understand this stuff pretty well. And anyone who wanted to go, I was like, let's go. I'll freaking rumble with you any day on this. I'm, you're not going to win. I mean, I got stacks of literature and I just couldn't believe that they wouldn't keep up with the data. That I think is the part that's really gotten me the most is they just won't keep up with the data. Now they're just frankly denying the data. And I'm like, how is that ethical? Our first law of medicine is first do no harm. Like this is not ethical to be ignorant, intentionally ignorant or in denial of what's true. And when people's lives are on the line, that part frustrates me to no end. And so that part was particular. I mean, I was getting viciously attacked and slandered by my profession on publicly. And that was pretty hard to take because I had been well-respected prior to this, but you know, at the, there's a whole, this is the part that gets me. There's this whole subsect of doctors who have been behind the scenes cheering me on and giving me props and telling me, you know, thank you so much for holding the line. Thank you so much for telling the truth. Thank, you know, you're so brave, but they are letting me take all the arrows in the arena and they're just sitting up in the bleachers, like quietly cheering me on or not even cheering me on publicly because they don't want anyone to see them be team Dr. Tina. That would be, you know, the end of their career, they think. And so, they just parrot the th same thing out of their mouths. Well, I mean, the big thing is like, she should lose her license. She should lose her license because she was telling people not to get vaccinated. I never once told people not to get vaccinated. I never once said those words. I just gave information that was objective off, based off data I was finding. I was like, here's, here, it's called informed consent. And that's the part that's been hard. In medicine, there's something called a PAR-Q. And it, we are required by law to give every patient a PAR-Q when we suggest a treatment. So whether I'm giving you a bottle of adrenal support or I'm giving you a pharmaceutical or I'm giving you an injection or I'm giving you a vaccine, I am required by law to give you a PAR-Q. And a PAR-Q is an acronym. P stands for procedure. A stands for alternatives. R stands for risks. And Q stands for questions. And Ideally, you would give the patient time to pause and formulate their questions. And so I usually would leave the room and say, hey, here's a pad of paper and a pen. And if you have any questions, think about it while I am getting your treatment plan together and I'll come back and answer your questions. That's legally what's supposed to happen. But doctors couldn't even give a PAR-Q because there was the, the insert for the vaccine was blank and all the data wasn't released by Pfizer. So they couldn't even tell them the risks. And if they could, they wouldn't because they risk losing their license. This is the world we've been in. That's the part that makes me crazy. Right. And while that's happening, we've got, you know, people in charge on on the news going, well, the science is settled here. Say everything is above board and we're fine. And now two years later, well, the science evolved. And it's like, well, which is it? Was it I was told it was settled and we were all lunatics and now it evolved and and everything that we said was right. And now you're going, well, yeah, I was completely wrong, but but I wasn't because of whatever nonsense gaslighting they want to throw. And as a third party, you know, musician, 
with no medical background, that's infuriating to watch. I can't imagine somebody like you that has a degree and has worked in the field watching this and just going, oh my God, like it, it's got to be embarrassing for, for <laughs> yes. the industry, I would think. Yes, embarrassing. That I've used those words to people's faces. I'm like, I'm embarrassed for you. I thought you were smarter. Yeah, because basic sciences don't evolve. We know certain things to be true. We know how, well, for instance, mRNA, okay, so I didn't do well in genetics. That was the one class I did not do well in. And I did great in all my other courses, but genetics was the one thing that it took some effort. So as you can imagine, as I just said, I didn't have to study a lot to go to school or to get through school well with high marks. And genetics, I really had to study. So I remember a few things. And one of the first things I remember about mRNA is a pesky little enzyme called reverse transcriptase, which turns mRNA and pulls it back into the nucleus and embeds it into your DNA. And I kept asking everybody, well, these mRNA injections, what about reverse transcriptase? Like we make it in our body. Oh, no, no, no. And nobody would talk to me about it. Everybody just kept blowing me off. They kept, I mean, they just wouldn't say anything. They just look at me blankly. Finally, a pharmacist friend of mine said something. He's like, yeah, right. I mean, I was thinking about that too. And then a a medical student messaged me on Instagram and said, what about reverse transcriptase? And I'm like, no shit. Why is no one talking about this? Turns out in a study that came out of Sweden, and I think it was 2022 at some point, uh, they did in a test tube look at reverse transcriptase and turns out it in hepatic human hepatic cells, human liver cells, it definitely reverse transcribes back into the DNA. And so, you know, it's like, but that got no fanfare. They tried to discredit the study. Of course, they tried to discredit any of us who spoke about it. So I'm just over here chirping on my little box, you know, on my little substack, trying to, in my podcast, trying to get the truth out. But I feel like at the end of the day, you know, the, the truth is a sword and I'm going to swing it <laughs> as best I can. <laughs> so I love that. It's just been wild. So, well, I'm excited about your band. Are you guys got any plans? Besides recording this video and this album coming out, are you going to tour? Yeah, we're, we're trying to set up some tour dates later in the year. Right now, my goal is to just get some music out there. Like we've been talking about the band for a few months. We have some t-shirts up for sale finally. Like we're getting some things out there. But so we're going to be releasing the first song in June. And so I'm excited for that to give people something to hear because, you know, we get messages from people that are like, oh, I like your message. I like what you guys stand for. But I'm like, cool, wait till you hear the music. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's Dickie Barrett from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. It's Greg Camp from Smash Mouth that wrote all of those songs. Like, these are very catchy, punky, uh, poppy. Like, it's a really good cross section of different styles blended together. And I'm super excited for people to hear it. It's, it's exciting. And, and you know, I'm excited about music again for the first time. And there's so many bands out there that are holding the line and are doing it right. And, for the other ones, it's just funny. To, I'll see lineups for these punk rock festivals and these bands. And I'm like, you really going to play that song where you talk about this and that? Do you really believe that anymore? <laughs> like, you, you're going to do that with a straight face at this point? Okay, that's that's a choice. But, you know, ultimately, I, I just try to focus on what I'm doing um, and be creative on my own and take care of my family. And, and you know, like, what can I do with my family? What can I do to be present here with my friends and my community? And hope if everyone can do that and focus on bringing their own communities together that, you know, it spreads and we can find a way back to each other after 
the last six or seven years of just constantly be told that we have to take a side on every issue and there's only black and white and you got to pick one. And you mentioned nuance earlier. And to me, that's the word of a decade because I think there's so many people who are just incapable of it. You know, nothing's black and white. The vaccine issue is not black and white. Politics aren't black and white. Some of the closest people in my life, friends and family, don't feel the same way as I do on, on these issues. You know what? We're totally fine. We talk about something else. Yeah. Amen. This is true. This is helpful for me to hear because I get, you know, after after such a barrage of attacks, I tend to bite back. <laughs> I, I get a little mouthy about it sometimes. <laughs> it's It's not for everyone to stand up and say something that's brutal. You know, it is brutal. But if more of us did, you know, this would have been over a lot sooner and a lot less suffering would have taken place for people with their jobs and their families. And there's just been so much loss here. And I, I, I'm i all in favor of rebuilding community and getting back to things. But again, it all comes back around to atonement. We can't move on without atonement because then we're just going to do it again. And, you know, I, d- I don't want to go through this again. Good point. Yep, I agree. I love it. I appreciate what you're saying so much. And I, I, I it's good to hear because, again, I get I get myself riled up sometimes because I've you know, you get so used to boxing it out every day that you you kind of get in that cycle and it's not a healthy place to be always. So, well, I so appreciate you coming on here, Pete. This has been so much fun. I know our Zoom connection wasn't awesome, so I'm sorry for the glitches, but it's been such a fun time talking with you and connecting. No, and... it's on my end. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm really excited for your band. I love everybody you just mentioned. And I think that it's going to be, I just, I see like good summertime pop punk you know, communities being built around it. And I can't wait to see you guys live sometime. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, take care and we will, I'm going to stay in touch with you and I wish you guys all the best. I love what you're doing. So thank you for holding the line. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0 as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes one of Apple Podcast's top 10 nutrition shows hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming. 
But that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app.